Hey everyone, this is Greg. And before we start the podcast, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Our first sponsor is Cloud MLX from, you guessed it, Lone Wolf Technologies. Your MLS system needs a dust off, an upgrade, a fresh perspective. With Cloud MLX, the creative team at Lone Wolf have done just that. It's a redo under the premise, what if I could search my MLS like Google? You don't need to replace your existing MLS system software. Just provide Cloud MLX as the easy MLS search solution to your members. They will love you for it. Check out Cloud MLX and the rest of the Cloud Agent Suite at cloudagentsuite.com. Also, I'm very excited to announce from Rob Hahn, the Notorious ROB, comes the Notorious VIP. As a Notorious VIP member, you'll get exclusive access to Rob's intelligent analysis, written and audio commentary, plus op-ed style articles. The Notorious VIP is a monthly or yearly subscription for those in the industry that want to go a few levels deeper. So please sign up at notorious-rob.com. I'll put a link to both sponsors in the show notes. Also, if any of our listeners are interested in sponsoring the Industry Relations Podcast, please drop me a line at gregrobertson at gmail.com. Hey, thanks again for listening. And now on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Industry Relations with Rob and Greg. This is obviously your co-host, the notorious Rob Hahn. And I have the fabulous Greg Robertson. I'm staring at his fabulous face right now. How you doing, Greg? Hola, Rob. Hola. <laughs> and uh, I know we have a pretty hard stop, and we have a very special guest on today. So we might as well get around to introducing him. Is Mr. Michael Werzer, who is the what? CEO of FBS, the creator of Flex MLS. But uh, probably most people know that. But I think what most people maybe not know is that unless I'm totally wrong, Michael, you are you're an attorney. I, I was an attorney for sure. Right. So, for about seven years, I guess. Yeah. So you actually know the legal side of things really well. And I see for anybody that might be, uh, no, I don't know if we're going to record this on video or not, but I see the, the law books, man, in your shelf <laughs> behind you. <laughs> Just, um, for giggles, you know? Yeah, and uh, maybe we could have you introduce yourself real quick for anybody. Um, again, I think everyone who's listening to this knows who you are, but just in case. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mike Werzer, uh, CEO of FBS, and have been doing that for 25 years or something like that. And before that, I did practice law both in California and then back in Minnesota. Did a little bit of, of everything from some corporate work to some litigation and then ultimately was a assistant general counsel at a cosmetics manufacturer. Oh wow. Called Aveda. So yeah, it's done a lot lot of different things, but certainly my focus has been been MLS and RISO and CMLS and all those national organizations. So it's been a good time. And That's I right. think there's there's three important facts about Michael that I'll throw out here. Number one, FBS is not for sale. <laughs> let's, let's just fucking put that rumor to rest i saw that on twitter and posts on vendor alley and uh number two michael had canceled this uh session because he was going surfing and uh then he then he let me know this morning that actually that got canceled so he was he is now joining us and not in the the i guess you're are you up in santa barbara right now no so i was going surfing behind a boat Right. Oh, okay. Well, that's not the same damn thing. And then, uh, <laughs> and then number three is tomorrow is Michael's birthday. What are you going to be? 39, 38? Yeah. 
No, 56. 56. Yeah, okay. Damn. Right. You look too young to be 56. I, I want to look like you when I'm 56, which will be in a few years. You know. Yeah. No, I, I feel a little older after this stupid pandemic, but... Uh, yeah, no kidding. Still feeling good, for sure. All right. But I know you were impressed by Greg invoking Justice Lewis Brandeis in one of our recent recordings, <laughs> well, which is why he said, I need to get on with these fellas and correct their mistakes and, uh, and as well as uh, provide some additional context. Uh, so hey, really not bad for a DeVry grad, grad, though, right? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, yeah, that's, that's awesome for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, you had given a presentation, I believe. Is that right? On this topic, on kind of the DOJ, FTC, or a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I just happened to um, cover some of these. I, every, every year we have a, an event for our customers called the FBS Summit. And we've been doing it since the year before we released FlexMLS, which is 1999. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a long time, right? 20 yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. And, and at that time, we were just releasing web-based software, which was you know kind of the shared platform. All the customers were running the same software, which is kind of different than the past. And, and so I gave what I called the State of the Union. And I've been doing that every year, State of the Union. Yeah. Telling them what's going on with the system, with 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 how you know new customers, et cetera. Um, but this year I switched it up and did sort of a state of the industry because there's so much going on. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, this this will be, you know, kind of interesting. And and I had been doing quite a bit of reading around the topics uh, from the DOJ and, and some of these antitrust issues. And, and so I just uh, went back to some of my geeky law days and yeah. shared some thoughts. And it resonated a lot with the stuff you guys were, were talking about. All right. So let's start right there, man. Uh, give us it, like the five to 10 minute kind of overview of what you presented around sort of the De Department of Justice, antitrust, FTC. Lot well, of, I mean, what, I think to, we want to frame it a bit, right? I think yeah. the framing is that NAR and the Department of Justice had a settlement. That's right. It was agreed to, right? And That's then right. what we found out, and, and maybe Michael has more information, but, you know, Rob, you were saying that talking to your kind of legal friends that mm -hmm. what happened by blowing up that settlement is not something that happens all the time. In fact, it's never very, happened. very, very rare. Yeah, right. No, so I guess it's never happened, apparently. A, a never or whatever. I mean, maybe Michael can comment on that, but um that seems to be just, you know, kind of crazy there. And then, you know, I just I want I want to frame it in that in that yeah. perspective. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I think where you guys were were starting with that was kind of trying to assess, well, what is the intent of this administration in particular? Right. And that was some of I covered that a tiny bit. Because I think it's interesting. Obviously, nobody knows, you know, directly at this time, and and things can change. But, but I have been following a lot of the people that that are having influence both within the administration and 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 maybe to the side of that, and and reading some stuff. And one of the books that I thought was really informative to kind of the refocus on antitrust that's been happening over over the last. Yeah, four, three years, two years, four years, whatever. Um, there's a book called Goliath. If you have, if you haven't read it, I definitely recommend it. A guy named Matt Stoller, S-T-O-L-L-E-R, wrote yeah, it. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good book. Really interesting review. Um, the subtitle of it is a 100 year war between monopoly power and democracy. 
good book and it covers kind of two main characters from the early part of the last century. One, which you mentioned, Greg, which is Louis Brandeis, former Supreme Court justice, but a, a lawyer who had a lot of roles uh, in, in many administrations, not just as a Supreme Court justice. And then the other guy was Wright Patman, who was a representative from Texarkana, I believe, but for sure from Texas, and uh, kind of a notorious fighter against big banks, big big enterprise as a general matter. And, and so one of the things that I think is interesting is this Goliath book kind of goes into the idea that, look, where, where we've gone wrong with kind of ignoring antitrust principles and some of those early initiatives around why antitrust was so important to democracy was mm-hmm. back then it was, hey, small is good, independent businesses are good, big is bad. I mean, it was pretty right. simple stuff. It wasn't right. all that complicated. But then what happened in like starting kind of in the 50s, 60s, and certainly into the, the 70s, the Chicago School of Economics kind of had this big influence where they started to just say, well, what all that matters is price. And if prices are going down, right. we don't give a crap how big an enterprise is. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it really shifted antitrust so that it almost became a non-issue. I mean, there was so much less enforcement, et cetera, et cetera. And, and what some, uh, certainly what's argued in the Goliath book, but it has also, you know, been talked a lot about by, you know, Lena Khan, who, who's coming yep. into D.C., et cetera, is, hey, it is about big and, and power, you know, is really, really important to uh, address some of these issues. And price is certainly very important. Consumer pricing is important. Creating efficiency is important. But a lot of the emphasis is less about maybe some of these cold, hard economics and more about how do we structure some of these industries to ensure competition uh, really exists. And to do that, you've got to have a lot of smaller independent businesses. Otherwise, the businesses are writing the rules. And, and what struck me as I was reading all that is I'm like, hey, look, we know from the case law and we know from, from every report the DOJ has ever written about MLS organizations is they they say, reiterate MLS is pro-competitive as a general matter as an entity as a practice it is now obviously lots of individual issues can arise and have arisen different enforcement actions over the years that have made corrections to different rules MLSs have had but in all those contexts if you contexts if you read the cases. They're like, yep, MLS is pro-competitive. It creates better transparency of information. It creates efficiencies. It gives things to the consumers. And so now you take all that background and you wonder, well, what what are they going to do? And then you couple that with the massive amounts of consolidation that's going on in the vendor industry and around that. You're going, hey, it looks a lot like Goliath versus, you know, sort of the the efficiency of MLS. And which is going to be long-term better for our industry? Is it to have a few super large corporations driving all the rules or is it the independent agents in the field? And a couple of quick examples, you know, Wright Patman literally wrote legislation, the Robinson-Patman Act, that actually had price floors in it to help small retailers against big uh, corporate price cutting 
uh, operations. It hasn't been enforced much recently because of the change in the antitrust philosophy. But that, that kind of thinking, I think, is really critical to the overall views here, that the idea is small business is awesome. And I can think of no better example. I know people complain about the quality of agents, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But there's few industries where the opportunity to create a business, to become your own uh, owner of a business, than real estate. This is an awesome thing that's been created. Both of these guys, Brandeis and Patman, <clears throat> talk a lot about cooperatives and how you know helping small independent organizations do better by, by cooperation is important. And so I think there's just a lot of themes through all of this idea around how to regulate and create more competition that's about small versus big. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly NARF plays into that. But I look at the small independent agents. It, it, even when you think about the big brokerages and franchises, for sure that's there. But they're all still, many of them are largely independent. You, Greg and I talk about this all the time. Getting agents to adopt software is really, really hard, right? Why? Because they're independent and they make their own decisions about things. And that's exactly what I think the the antitrust laws want and talk about and where, where the, I hope that's where the administration is going to focus. And so I'm just a lot more optimistic about the opportunity for MLSs to be kind of proactive and engage the these guys, the administration and say, hey, we have an awesome system now. Let's make it better. Let's work together to make it better and and and, and all that. But the idea that it's going to be a throw the baby out with the bathwater, I, I just don't see it. So your point is that you don't think the FTC is going to act against the MLS? No, that, that isn't my point. My point is I think there's an opportunity for the industry to engage in great discussions with the DOJ, with the FTC, coming at it from the point of, hey, we have a, a system that is encouraging small business, that, that, that creates independence, that does a lot of what what you'd want to do if you were to design it from scratch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think as opposed to being a huge corporation, just driving all of this as opposed to a Goliath driving all this. So we've got a good system. Let's make it better. Let's work together to make it better. And I think there's a huge opportunities there. Here's a quick point. Brandeis is kind of famous for talking about the States as lab- laboratories of democracy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where, where small government should be experimenting, trying new things, trying different things. And I analogize that to to MLSs. We've got people complain again about lots of MLSs and how that's a problem. But it also creates an opportunity for laboratories of experimentation and trying new things and seeing how do we make these markets actually work better? And, And I think sometimes we get so caught up in software and technology and this and that. That, that we don't focus enough as an industry on the core fundamentals of making these, these markets even more competitive than they already are. Mm-hmm. And we should be running positive thinking experiments to create more competition. And to me, that's something I think the FTC and DOJ would be excited at. How can we work together to define some things and try and see what happens to the market? Nobody really has a clarity around, well, why do commissions stay kind of in this mode? I mean, there's been lots written about it, but there's nothing definitive. Let's experiment and try different things and see what yeah. moves. So the, the way I see that, I mean, as I look at it, Rob, and, and what Mike is Michael's trying to do here is that he's trying to pull a judo move, okay. right? Meaning 
<laughs> I look at this as the DOJ exiting this because they think there's something bigger here, something more nefarious. And what I think Michael's going to say, no, man, actually, we're all with the Brandeis thing, man. It's all independent people trying to do good things. Okay. It's not a big Goliath thing, right? So I think that's what you're trying to say here is that yes. even though to me this is a, a move by the DOJ to say, we think this you guys are Goliath, this is more now of an opportunity for you, what you're saying, Michael, is the industry to go, nah, man, we're just a we're, we're just a bunch of people with a bunch of slings here. Yes. Right. And that's and we're just trying to tr trying to do that. And what it's an opportunity for the industry because of this blew up to kind of use their own juice against them. Like I said, it's a judo move to use their own weight. The argument they're making against against them. Right. Am I am I right on that analogy here? Is that a yeah, better analogy? I mean, a, a little bit. I would just want to be phrasing I probably more positively. I mean, I think there's no question the FTC, the DOJ are both con concerned about making sure that you know, consumers are getting the most efficient, best deal, most competitive pricing. That for sure. And are there rules that maybe get it get in the way of that? Yeah, for sure. I think so. That that needs to be looked at too. My point is really about the biggest concern that the letter from the White House, the the executive order, is about Goliath. Okay. That, that's for sure. And so you, you look at. Talk about Rex, right? You guys mm -hmm. did that podcast about them. They're not Goliath today, but that's what they want to be. I mean, he was very clear. Oh, agents are going to love being on our platform. Okay, that's literally what they're trying <laughs> to combat in this order is to say, yeah, no, it's not about people being on some Goliath platform. It's about independent business owners competing against each other. It's not about CoStar, you know, and, and Zillow battling it out for one and two in market share while the other people pick up the, the dirt on the floor. It's about, you know, letting into small independent businesses making or independent businesses, even if they're big, making those decisions to compete against each other. That's way more important. Okay. With other things. And there should be experiments to try to figure out, be scientific about how do we discover what makes it more efficient around commissions, around transparency. You know, that's what the government is most concerned about, honestly, is, is that transparency? How can we make, make the information flow better? And MLSs are all about that. So again, then what do you think the FTC will do? So basically what I'm hearing you say is that the Biden executive order combined with Lena Khan, the new FTC commissioner's background, because you know what you mentioned about the Chicago School of Economics and prior to that, I mean, that's literally in her very famous Columbia, I, uh, I think it's a Yale Law Journal note, right? Talking about antitrust. Um, so let's Amazon, assume that Amazon's antitrust paradox. Yeah, that's it. Right. So assume that you're correct. Then how do you think the FTC would approach the issue? Because considering, and here's the context. As we talked about in the show, the Department of Justice had a deal with NAR, right, in the previous administration. New administration comes in, the new DOJ uh, acting, whatever, acting, uh, what is it, a general assistant attorney general? But whatever, the head of the, the antitrust division of Department of Justice, and basically pulls out of that deal and says specific, specifically, we want to investigate this more, right, but a much broader thing. I mean, I guess my perception was this is really bad news. It almost sounds like you're saying, no, it's actually not bad news because where you see this happening in the new 
sort of the new administration's perspective, which is away from the Chicago School of Economics. It's more towards tackling size as the problem as opposed to consumer price as the thing. How do you think they would come out and look at real estate in that? Well, I, th- I, I guess this is really the point that I was hoping to make. I mean, I don't have the, the you know influencer connections with the NAR <laughs> in any way, shape, or form, and certainly not on, on legal issues. But I just wanted to put out to our customers, and, and perhaps why I wanted to do the podcast with you guys is to the industry more broadly. It's a there's going to be a conversation, right? What the FTC and the DOJ are going to do is going to be in large measure a conversation. I don't doubt the speculation that the reason they backed up was, you know, a partly political Trump versus Biden, but but also that there's been, I'm sure, continued pressure by racks and and probably others to say, hey, wait, wait, don't just let this sit there. There's more to be had. And so it is just about a conversation. I think it would be honestly pointless for me to speculate where that's going to go. What I'm trying to say is, hey, look, there's an opportunity, I believe, to engage positively with these things, not just now. I mean, I've been around this industry long enough. You know how, you know, the two times that that the DOJ has been most uh, invigorated, the two hottest markets in the last 30 years, 2006, seven, and right now. And so it always pops up in these circumstances. I'm not saying that, that they're just reacting, but that's when so much of the competition gets more fierce and people, you know, rules get changed and other things because the market. Yeah, is, we talked about that. Our, it's our yeah, own success. Yeah. The spotlight's on us right now a lot, right? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, so, so for sure that that exists and, and my, that's a conversation. So, they're getting input from certain people. I know the NAR is excellent at engaging in those things, and I'm sure they're going to. I just feel like there's an opportunity to engage them, you know, positively. And like I said, from a standpoint of, hey, we have a system where we can have localized experiments and try different things. And let's have a discussion about what those experiments might look like, because it could be interesting to actually learn uh, some of these things by trying different things, measuring the results you know, the basics of trying to create a better system. That's, I read a ton of Brandeis over the last 12 months just because I've been interested in this. And he's such a super interesting historical scholar, figure, lawyer, who believed in small government, but actual government, right? Effective government, government that works. And he believed in in running small experiments to see, hey, how, how can we make people's lives better? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's what government should do, not be intrusive, not be overbearing, but be as small as it can possibly be, but be effective. And being effective does mean controlling large corporations because otherwise they're going to make the rules through terms of use, through legal agreements, et cetera. They're going to make the laws as we see happening all the time today. <laughs> that that's that's a huge issue today and that's i would say 90 percent of what's in that letter is about those big concerns and and yep there is definitely a, a focus on real estate but i would just say advocate to the nar turn this for a positive thing and enlist your mls's in running experiments so how would that look let's say uh bob goldberg comes to you and says fantastic podcast i heard you on with greg and rob we want to hire you to assist Shannon in lobbying the FTC and the DOJ in a positive way. Like, what, what would your argument be? 
Well, exactly that. Probably. No, no. What I mean is like, like that you just stated one. principles and ideas. I'm saying, here's okay. A simple one. Here's a simple one. I would say, yeah. you know what? There's an experiment that's already been going on because I believe in Seattle, uh, Northwest MLS, I think they've been disclosing commissions for some time already. Right. Am I right about that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the effect of that? We should be measuring that, tracking that. And maybe running it in a couple of other places, doing other things along the, those lines. You know, this lockbox thing was a, a big concern, I yeah. think, for a lot of people. Hey, what if we ran a few experiments around that to see of what the risks are, what the concerns are, instead of just, you know, oh, let's have a national, you know, legal settlement here that, that mandates this thing. But, hey, can we try a couple of things? That's what I'd advocate for. Small experiments where we can collect data, be rational about it. Uh, move forward. And I think those experiments are kind of happening, but they're not being done in, in a, they're almost in an ad hoc way, right? And are, are we getting the best data around it? Is there a purpose behind them other than maybe just maybe being some, some defensive, getting ahead of it, uh, getting ahead of that order, that kind of thing. But th- I, and I'm sure there are dozens of other experiments that could be tried too, that, to see, well, how does this impact competition? How does this impact cooperation? among agents as it increases. So tell me how that's not the same as don't regulate us at all. What do you expect them to regulate then? Like who's running the experiment? Would the FTC run the experiments? I think I I would certainly, I personally would be very comfortable engaging the FTC and saying, what experiments would you like us to run? (laughs) Where are the things that, what should we test here? Mm -hmm. Just engaging. But sorry, but who is the we? So let's say I'm the, uh, let's say I'm Lena Khan's uh, underling, right? So, you know what? That sounds interesting. We're always open to experiments. We want to pick 12 MLSs where there's no cooperation compensation. Find us 12 MLSs are willing to run that experiment. How do you do that? That's not an MLS. You're saying- no, I want, that's, I want that's to, like, what the DOJ want to is going shut after, down right? the MLS in that No, no, market. but that's what the DOJ is going after. That's what the FTC is going after, right? I mean, it's very clear. You look at the academic literature. They think commissions are too high. They think the way to get rid of that is to de-link cooperation compensation, right? I mean, we know that this is what they think. I don't, I don't think that that's clear at all. But. I think it's absolutely clear, man. Like, I think I wrote a post about this. The Cato Institute published a really interesting article very recently. And one of the guys that wrote it, Ben Harris, is now the undersecretary, assistant secretary for policy at the Treasury. And he was Biden's chief economist when Biden was the vice president. Like that guy advocates for delinking commissions. So my point is, I think what you're saying, Mike, is, and I, I think I, I'm sympathetic to it as a libertarian, small business, small government guy. I'm actually leaning towards like anarchists these days. Um, so, like the FTC is like, no, no, we want to try to experiment. Like, how does that happen? How does that experiment come about? Yeah, I, I mean, it's a conversation, right? And and I mean, I dealt a little bit with the SEC when when I was a lawyer. Yeah, <laughs> and I certainly understand the. I mean, it's it's scary, right? Even I mean, I represented Fortune fifty companies. And it's scary for them like, to engage with the government because there's so much power there. I get that. And, right. and so it can just be, well, there's not a conversation. It's like a defensive, you know, posturing constantly. How can we 
eliminate the engagement. I mean, and it it could be baby steps. I mean, like Michael's almost suggesting, like one thing is, okay, I mean, you want to blow it up because you're fucking Rob Hahn, right? No, wait, wait, time to wait. Wait, wait, hold on a second. Greg, this is this is wrong. All I did was I described what the current assistant secretary of the Treasury wrote in a post in an article on Cato Institute. Why are you making me like, have I ever said I want this all delinked? No, 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 okay. no, 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 out of here. OK, I, you're, I, just because you don't want to represent the, the regulators mindset. No, right. Why is okay. that my fault? All right. Am I the regulator? I don't know. I'm with I'm with Michael saying I'm not exactly sure that meant he wanted to like run an experiment with shutting down MLS somewhere. Let, let me let me let me finish here. Right. So one experiment, I'm talking about baby steps or different steps that maybe get you there. Right. So one of experiment is like, OK. Right now, uh, in the state of Washington or in Northwest MLS, we're we're displaying it on the commission on that thing. Okay, here's another baby step. Okay, you have to, when you sign a listing agreement, there has to be a separate and 40-point font that lays out what the commission arrangement is that they have to initial. That's another kind of what happens there. There's different things you can do, I think, besides just like saying, we got to just delink everything and blow up the MLS that you can you could start to do without having to do something that drastic to see, does okay. that move the needle? Great. Right? I mean, so here's again, my question is, let's say you are speaking to the FTC and you say there's all these different experiments we can do. So is the idea here that the FTC would manage some MLS? No, no, I think I think I mean, I don't I don't think they have to manage. Well, I mean, then how do we how the, do we know it's 40 point font versus 72 point? Font? No, I mean, I think we they, they agree to do that. And then they have a meeting and they show their results. And here's the page. But you can look at it right said, here. That, this is what I'm asking both of you guys. Who is this day? It's it's, it's a CRMLS. It's, a, it's like, is it like name some MLS. It's in, it's, right? No, it's in partnership with happen? maybe the Department of Real Estate in that state. It's in partnership with the MLS. It's in partnership with. You know the entities that can like make those things happen again, man. Like I'm saying, let's get specific. Certainly, the NAR have to be. You know, that's their job is to deal with these kinds of things. So, so fostering that conversation, I think, has to be, you know, the NAR's uh, responsibility here. Right. Okay. So, so let's let's play this out. But let's just, let me stop a second okay, because it, I think it can be just so polarizing to think about just well, it's got the government's either going to regulate or or the, or everybody's going to be. Uh, Welcome to my world, Michael. Welcome to my right. world. I mean, it, it, let, let's just well, set that aside for a second. I still think it's super relevant, but kind of what I was trying to say to to every you know generally about this is, I feel like if that were happening, these kinds of experiments and that attitude or mission or vision of, of CMLS that they've already said, MLS makes the market work. Making the market work means creating competition. What are the things that MLSs are doing to create that competition and how are they trying to advance it and move the needle, right? Because I think a lot of times what MLSs are doing, and, and I, you know, of course, I'm a technology vendor, so I want them to buy technology. But I think it, it's somewhat taking the eye off the ball a little bit and saying, hey, I'm getting so concerned about the baubles I'm buying in software. Are we really trying to improve and maximize competition in, in an orderly, healthy way here? Of course, at core, that's what they're doing. But is there innovation around that? I think there's tons of opportunity for innovation on these core principles as opposed to just saying, well, this is the way this is, and we're not going to try to 
uh, advance that. If that were happening, what an awesome defense to any government intervention, because you're already doing the things and trying to move the needle in that way. I think that would be awesome. If you take that premise, then I would just say to the DOJ or an FTC, hey, look, this is what we want to set up is this kind of an environment where you can see that we are trying constantly engaged in discussions and experiments and trials to get data about how to move that needle. You know, they're going to be at the table one way or the other, either with a hammer or a bomb or something. I mean, they've got an enormous amount of power. I would say developing these kinds of principles of of conversation, it would be a a hell of a lot more uh, cost-effective and and healthy for for the industry because this isn't, it never goes away, right? I mean, it always comes and rears its head again and, and MLS is for sure you know, push the boundaries on some things because, because they, you know, sometimes they go awry and that's okay. Experiments fail, try different things, do different things and measure the results. I, I think Mike, I'm, I'm going to say this again. Like, so let's play this out. Right. I, I feel like you're making arguments for what we should do or what the FTC should do. And I'm, I'm very sympathetic to all of your arguments, right. But there are two things. One is if we get down to specifics, fine. So FTC agrees to everything you just said. NAR is at the table. Okay, how does this actually play out? How do you see this actually playing out? Is it that NAR has a separate committee, uh, an executive who says, hey, we're going to pick these 10 MLSs here to be our centers of experimentation. And then the FTC and the DOJ is going to, what, like have a staffer sitting there to monitor every, like, how does this play out? Exactly? Uh, here, here's how it plays out. Here's how it plays out. It's like every corporation that does this kind of stuff, right? So DOJ or NAR decide to hire McKinsey or Booz Allen, right? Okay, you guys, this is what we want to prove. Booz Allen or these guys fucking write up a damn per- paper on how they're going to do it, right? Mm-hmm. They get all the players you know, in place. They talk to the MLS guys. They talk to the MLS vendors. They talk to the associations, they put all that stuff in. Booz Allen is, is, is in charge of this that's been contracted by the DOJ and, and the government and uh, NAR, right? And okay. then at the, end of, this, at the end of this whole thing, they, they publish a paper and they present the reports. I mean, it's yeah. just that's this is exactly how it's done all the time, man. It's not it's not rocket science. Well, let me say this, just from what I've read. <laughs> I think the folks in the Biden administration here moving these needles would absolutely say no to McKinsey or who's That is not the vibe that they're going for. Right? Yeah. Maybe it's a Center for American Progress. or. Uh... <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I mean, good, Rob, good question, of course. You know, I have this problem all the time as CEO because I've got ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's what I know. Here's what yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. It isn't my place to, to even say what what the solution is, what the outcome is. Because honestly, I don't think anybody can or should know that conversation needs to actually happen in real life. And then it's just too hard hypothetically to to play it out. I get right. why. I get get it, Mike. But there's a reason why I'm asking that question because the second question, because this is something that I've been thinking about since 2000, since the last collapse. I mean, since the bubble burst, right? Right, right. When have we ever seen government regulators act this way? And I've really tried, man. I don't recall a single instance 
where the government regulators decide we need to regulate this industry. We need to do something because political pressure, because whatever. Oh, we need to do something about it. And they are told by the political branches, we need you guys to go and do something about this. Mm -hmm. I can't think of a single time when a regulator says, let's try some experiments. Let's partner with the industry. Let's have this flexible thing and a study and then we'll come back. I've never seen it. That's why I'm asking this question. What, what I've seen. So I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. When the first bubble happened, right? The mortgage people took it in the shorts. I mean, can we agree? Like, you know, Dodd Frank and all these things came in, and the mortgage banks and those guys absolutely got crushed. There was no study. There was no let's figure it out. Let's try different experiments. There was okay, everybody. Here's what we're doing. We're going to tell you what to do. We're going to tell you what you can charge. Here's the regulations. Like. It really was that process. And I'm just wondering, is it different because you think that Lena Khan and the new administration has a different perspective on antitrust? Do you think these regulators would, in fact, be open to doing things in a way that, again, I've never seen happen in regulators? That's what yeah. I'm saying. Well, um, so absolutely, that's a central part of what I'm trying to say is that's a hope. Again, just reading and, and understanding some of the basic thinking. Yeah, that's that's the hope. Why do we have to just keep repeating stupid past mistakes? And I definitely think, you know, where a government is just the adversary constantly. I mean, I get it. Again, I get it. Power is 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 scary. But but I, I, I that's really what I'm trying to say. Why do we have to keep doing it that way? Why can't we think like Brandeis thought over a hundred years ago? And, and was very successful at, at creating some effective, limited uh, government solutions that made people's lives better. I mean, it actually works. So maybe we should think about that. And that, that's a good thing. So gotcha. I like that. And, and gotcha. just on your one case here with the mortgage stuff, I do think those very wildly different situations, right? Uh, something that nearly ruined the world economy. Um, and, and this situation, which has been around for a long time and it's not exactly uh it's unlikely to be solved by any kind of regulation in any way that doesn't have some sort of trial and error to it um, if that were the case i think it would have already been done but the reality is the data isn't easy to understand the whole situation isn't obvious what the solution is because again i think everybody recognizes that there is positive market efficiencies to mls organizations and so how you tinker with that is not a clear, simple thing. Whereas, hey, you have too big to fail over here with, with these financial institutions. You better put your finger in the dam or it's going to burst. And that's what was going on. And, then, and the, there's maybe there's, overreaction to, the, to, to some of the. And there's a lot of these big kind of things that you got to figure out that are on the same kind of, you know, thought process. And that's like Section 230, right? And things that, you know, how do we fix those types of things also. And they're all, again, related to this, this power, this economic power that these large entities have and how that affects things, right? I mean, it's, it's a, there's so much going on now that are kind of touching the edges of this stuff. Everybody wants a solution, right? Everybody wants things to be clear and simple, and that's just not life. And so that's why having this attitude you know, I did a presentation at CMLS, I think the last live in-person event, and it was around this strategic model that I had developed or, or called the expanding MLS model. And I was advocating then, hey, MLSs really can focus here on what I think Rob, you and Dave Sharon said was the MLS operating system, right? Yeah. Focus on that because 
that's where the action is for MLS organizations. Let other people focus on the, the stuff that's more about differentiation and agents. How do they compete at the end of the day? That's up to them. MLS is, that's not what it's about. It's about that operating system. And, and I think it, I'm advocating for MLSs to think like that, to think like, hey, we really do want to make it more competitive. It's not just about listening to certain brokers and, and trying to create barriers or something. That's not mm-hmm. the point. The point is making the market work. And, and I think that positive competitive attitude is, is really critical to being able to be in offensive posture with, instead of a defensive posture, with regulators. Okay. I mean, look, I mean, I think I'm buying everything you're preaching here. The only thing I'm differing is I've never seen it. Right. And the, the thing that I've written multiple times, and again, maybe it's because I went to law school with a bunch of guys who are regulators now. Do you know what I mean? No. Like they work for the SEC and the OCC. I know a couple of those guys. So I feel like I have an idea of what the regulatory mindset is, right? Well, they um, need simple solutions too at some level, right? Right. They don't want right. to sit around dealing with this forever. They want to create their deal and move on. And the way I look at it, I think, and I've written this many times, like the government does not use a scalpel when a chainsaw is nearby. Right. And you're right. Like when it comes to real issues and problems, like a scalpel and real detail understanding, you know, that's probably the better way of doing it. But that's not what we've seen historically. <laughs> and the example I'll use there is fine. Let's not talk about global economy destroying last time. You remember when uh, British Columbia had the uh, shadow flipping controversy? It was a few years ago. Anyway, so the Canadian regulators came in and basically made a bunch of speeches and it became a political thing. And they just came in and said, we're going to hammer real estate. Because for me, I think if you're in government, it's not necessarily about solving problems. Right. I think yeah. it's about making political points. So yeah. Yeah. again, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm going to argue with Greg. Greg thinks I want this to happen. No, man, like, because you live in California, like, Maybe you love red government. I can I can put together the greatest defense of libertarian anarchist principles there is. I'm simply pointing out to the audience what I think is coming down the pike. Now, if what comes down the pike is what you've described, Michael, I think that'd be amazing. I just don't have. Well, and <laughs> you know, that's trust all. Me, trust me. <laughs> I'm 100. I yeah, I mean I agree with you 100. That certainly is the historical current. Right you know, mode of operation. And that's all I'm trying to say is that I think there's a better way. And I think, I think some of the, the underpinnings of the thinking is based on people like uh, Wright Patman and, so, and like Louis Brandeis that had the, these fundamental principles that were better than what we've seen over the last 50, 75 years. So because what you're saying is that the old pre-Chicago school theory of antitrust was that size and political power is what's destructive, not simply looking at consumer price, right? And I think your point is that we in the industry maybe could leverage that and say, look, consumer price hasn't changed very much because that's what you know the critics of the real estate commission system are pointing to. It's not about that. It's about size. Okay. Given that, and given what we've just been talking about, the need for experimentation and local competition and so on and so forth, if the FTC comes and says, Mike, okay, no, you know what? We hear you. And we, we've subscribed to the size is the problem. We're following the Brandeis theory. Lena Khan, after us, our commissioner. Should we not break up NAR? Aren't they exactly this overly large, very big organization entity 
So, so the short answer is no, because it's a fundamentally different, a membership organization like that is a fundamentally different thing. And there are many, many examples from- It's not an oil world. company or a, or, or a railroad type yeah. thing. Right? Now, for sure, for sure, the policies, just because you're a, co- a membership organization or a cooperative organization doesn't mean you still got to, you know, make sure your rules are not creating anti-competitive effects. And and so that kind of, that's where the DOJ for sure, obviously has a big role and responsibility to, to evaluate those, but it isn't about making the NAR smaller because it's actually, that's a success by bringing in so many more independent business people. That's awesome. That's actually something to celebrate. That doesn't mean all the rules and other things there are perfect. They need to be evaluated and, and okay. considered because for sure, the bigger an organization gets, the more those rules matter. So it is. So fine. Um, How big does an MLS have to get before you would advocate breaking it up? Honestly, I don't know that the size of MLS organizations, again, uh, matters too much. I think it has a lot to do with what the size of the market area they operate in. And I've long been an advocate for, you know, really there should be an MLS and an MSA. I mean, the less overlapping market disorder we can have, the better, you know. So if you have an MLS that has. That always goes overboard with people because, you know, I've got customers out in the middle of nowhere that, that, there, that there's no efficiency or opportunities to change things in that way that matter. It's either awesome markets just as they are. So it's not like there's one so, or anything like that. Let the, okay. the market actually does work in that regard. We're seeing it work right before our eyes. I'm not saying there's not inefficiencies, but things are happening. They just don't happen as fast as people Wait, so wait, so so clarify then if multiple MSAs you would advocate breaking them up. No, if an MLS no. has multiple uh, MSAs. I, I really mean by that, I should have maybe not used that that term. I was really meaning a market. Like like they, there are pretty well defined markets that, that you can pretty pretty well see based on on data. And there okay. end up being a lot of physical boundaries. I mean, uh, you might look at the Southwest, but really, you know, Southern California is one market. And and Phoenix and that area, there's a huge desert right. in between. <laughs> right, right. So, in your opinion, just again hypotheticals, if CRMLS acquired Armless, you would advocate breaking them up? I'd have to see the context of it, honestly. But maybe, maybe. Okay. Uh, this so, is so great I, to watch Rob do this to somebody else because normally it's me. Every, it's every week that he does. No, every time we do this, it's no, me. Notice, how, notice how Michael doesn't like get upset. <laughs> just, well, you're, yeah, 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 I mean, I know it's not you, but you're the personification of it. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it is, he's used to this sort of thing from law school. Like this is what you do. You do hypotheticals. and Yeah, know. absolutely. No. And I think uh, a premise of what I was trying to say earlier is, I think the concern is less about those membership organizations and how they're structured than it is about the rules. It's not about the size of those organizations. It's about the rules that are that are there. That's what matters. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that certain I, I I've long said like one MLS makes no sense. I mean, I unless never, it was a flex MLS system, then it would make a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> I've said that directly. It doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't care. Anytime you have that, you're not going to get the innovation that you need. Even at an MLS, you do need people to be trying different things. And, and that's not going to happen in a, in a Goliath, in a mon- monopoly situation. So, um, All right. Well, I know we're running out of time. So, Greg, why, why don't you wrap us up? 
you know, so I, I avoid asking more hypotheticals to Michael and then maybe you and I could reconvene and talk about uh, what, what all this means. Listen, uh, I think this is what this podcast is about. I mean, I don't know if anybody at NAR listens to us or not. I kind of think they do. And I think it's great for Michael to come on here and kind of put this perspective out there and, and look at this from a positive perspective, optimistic pr perspective of what this could be a reset, but it could be a reset that is good for both sides. He brings together some compelling questions and, you know, ideas, but it is messy, as you say, Rob. I mean, it's nothing's going to happen very easily here. But, um, Michael, thank you so much for joining us here and, and bringing you, out your, uh, your your opinions here. Yeah, uh, hey, I, really well, appreciate I, I appreciate being uh, able to ring you on the email, Greg, and say, hey, wouldn't this be fun? And and, and you were super gracious and, and Rob, too, and making the time for this. It's a fun conversation. It's, it's yeah, absolutely all days. And, and so very, very grateful to both of you. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks to everybody for listening to us, uh, have this discussion. Uh, as Michael mentioned, I do think this is one of the, if not the most important topic that, you know, leaders in the industry should be, should be discussing. You know, I, I don't know what could be even more, more important than this, you know, again, for leaders, you know, if you're an agent broker on the street, you have other concerns to worry about. But if you're on the board, if you're a CEO of organizations, I think these are the conversations you need to have, you know, with each other, with with Michael, you know, call him, <laughs> call Greg, you know, call me if you want, but you know how I, where I stand in a lot of things. So yeah, thank you. Thanks everybody. Bye. All right, bye now. Thank you for listening to another episode of Industry Relations. Rob and I both appreciate your support. If you can find the time, please visit wherever you listen to your podcasts and give us a five-star rating and write a quick review. It really does help the show. Thanks again. And from Rob and I, be good to each other. <laughs>